Hello, friends. It's a blessing to share with you on Soul Talks. We're Bill and Christy Galtier, psychotherapists and the founders of Soul Shepherding. Keep your soul diligently, we read in the Bible. That's because being renewed in God is the source of our love, joy, peace, and power. Our prayer is to further your discipleship to the Lord Jesus and your ministry to others. Hey, friends, I'm so excited. I got my good friend Bobby Schuler with me here for Soul Talks. Hey, Bill. Glad to be here. So thankful for you, Bobby, and to have you sharing in this conversation with me now. We've been good friends for, gosh, I think about 10 years, a lot of walks and talks and yeah. doing life and ministry together, connecting our wives. And Yeah, I'm writing, a, I'm, I just submitted a book, actually, and a big part of my book is a testimony of the process that you sort of helped me walk through and it's sort of coming alive more emotionally. Mm. So very thankful for you. Hannah's so thankful for Christy. We're both thankful for both of you. And I know we join a lot of other pastors who have had you uh, walk alongside them to live healthy, emotional, spiritual lives. And uh, you do such a great job of bringing to life that Dallas Willard would hate this, but that Willardite, you know, <laughs> way of thinking alongside psychology and good theology and a good Bible knowledge. I think it's really a good fit for a lot of us pastors that need a mentor. <laughs> Thank you. We appreciate your ministry. I think our listeners, I hope you know about Bobby Schuler and the Hour of Power, the longest running televised church service in history, right? Yeah, that's right, actually. An Hour of Power started in 1971, so that'd be 46 years. Yeah, it's a long time and uh, <laughs> is better than ever now is you're, you're leading and preaching and really bringing the, the gospel of Jesus and the, the kingdom of the heavens the Father's world that we That's can right. step into as happy students of Jesus. And we love your show and your ministry. So thankful for Shepherd's Grove, yep. uh, right, right here in Garden Grove, California. Great place to go to church. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, I'm so thankful to stand on the shoulders of giants. You know, Most of what I'm able to do now, I didn't like build this TV ministry. There's just been so many faithful leaders, donors, thinkers that have been involved in this uh, big story that is Shepherd's Grove and Hour of Power, and I get to be you know one part of it, but hopefully it'll it'll be much bigger than me and carry on after I'm gone. So, well, you're carrying on the best of the tradition uh, that your grandfather, Dr. Robert Schuler, started as a pastor of hope, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, on Soul Talks is hope, but you're bringing in your gifts and your message uh, into that context, and so that's been really fun for me to watch that develop over the years and just uh, see how you serve the Lord. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Yeah. yeah. Well, great. So uh, we're just so thankful for all of our listeners and keep your letters and emails, your Facebook messages coming. We love hearing from you and uh, recently heard from one of our friends. This is a sensitive story, so we're going to keep his name confidential, but he says, I'm listening to your latest podcast. Can't wait to share it with my wife and was so moved by your talk about the pastor that you helped. And it made me think of my own story and the desperation, loneliness depression that I felt. Uh, and then God ordained a meeting between us, and I'm so grateful for the empathy and wisdom that you brought, and has deepened my intimacy with God. Because thinking about my own story, when we met, I was recklessly consuming alcohol to deal with my anxiety and the, the pressures of my life and leading our large church, and I was hopeless. And I'm crying now just in remembering that and saying that. But I'm so thankful that today I feel a sense of God's love, a love for myself in that, and it is so wonderful. So thanks for being Christ's ambassadors to me and my wife. And that's what we do in Soul Shepherding, and so blessed to have friends like this that are 
journeying with us, as you said, Bobby, that we can follow Jesus together. That's right. Amen. And oh gosh, I remember when we first started hanging out, I hate admitting this, but I had an addiction to a video game. Mm. (laughs) And I I was realizing how I was using entertainment, whether it's movies and things like that to escape. So, you know, being a pastor, you can't do a lot of the more contraband type things, but, you know, going to the movies or watching TV too long or eating, you know, those were things that are kind of, that are like in the okay zone, Mm. but I could tell it was a problem. And that was a part of, I think for me, so much of that was coming from a place of realizing that I was dealing with just the suffering of life by being tough and Mm. just, and what I realized is by ignoring it or by just watching TV or, or in this case, playing video games. So I feel like such a nerd saying that. <laughs> uh, there's some other listeners going, yeah, that, that's totally. me or that, that's my son or yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, this was, you know, almost, I think 12, maybe 10 years ago. So I was 25, 24, I'm 36 now, but, and it's not like I, I stopped playing video games. I still do. I hate to admit it, but. <laughs> well, you can play a video game <laughs> know, with Jesus, right? Yeah, so. That's right. From time to time. But the point is you were escaping from stuff. I was stuff escaping, with, yeah. yeah. And I think it's actually good that I didn't think of it as morally wrong because I think it would have actually made it harder. Mm. But you kind of helped me realize there was a quote, I forget his name, but he said, sometimes entertainment becomes a substitute for true Christian joy. Mm. It helped me realize that bonding deeply with others and being honest about my emotions, you know, as a guy, super important to really enjoy life. For entertainment to even be entertaining, I needed that in a way. Yeah, I think we lose hope when we lose a, a personal, intimate connection with God. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we think that that connection with God ought to come just through reading the Bible or something yeah. and not realizing how much our relationships with people are part of that. Yeah. In a way, the most important part. I mean, even theologically, the idea that we connect with God through the church, uh, it's called incarnational theology, this idea yeah. that a lot of times when we talk about incarnational theology, we, we mean that the word of God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, the son, and then was crucified, raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. And that's kind of the culmination of incarnational theology, but it's not. It, it extends to the church. So when Paul says, we're the body of Christ, he means it. It's not a metaphor. It's literal. We put skin on God, mm-hmm. is what Ronald Rawheiser says. It's this idea that Christ, if he sits on the throne of our hearts, then we can experience God in these you know, silence and solitude and mountaintop experiences, and we should. But there's another facet of our spiritual discipline, which is also we encounter God through the church. And the church, not meaning the institution, the building, the rights, meaning people. Like I'm experiencing Christ through you. Yeah. And I experience it through Hannah. And in that, when I experience the love of my wife or my friends, I'm also experiencing Jesus' actual love. Yeah, we can literally sense it through someone's eyes, their demeanor, the mm-hmm. way they listen to us, a word of encouragement. If mm-hmm. we're perceptive, we can get that experience that, yeah, you know, really the Lord is ministering to me now. He's speaking to me. And that's life-giving. And, and even miracles, they almost always come through people, not mm-hmm. just through the cloud in the sky. Like when you read them in the Bible or you experience them today, you know, if I were to receive a miraculous healing or something, usually it's when another believer touches me mm-hmm. and believes in faith. So there's this idea that it's real. We actually experience God in a profound way through other believers. And sometimes we need that, especially when our faith is weak and we can't find God on that mountaintop or we're feeling dead spiritually or things, I think. Yes, I think this is where hope comes from. I think we get hope 
of course, from God, but it's through people. And Bob, you're someone that I have admired as a man of hope. And, you know, as we've done life together and you've shared with me, you've had some difficult challenges in Mm -hmm. your life, things that could have made you hopeless or could have made you give up and not keep being a pastor, for instance. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you've had, of course, feelings of discouragement, maybe even feelings of hopelessness at points, but day after day, you live with a sense of hope. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? Yeah. Part of it is I am already a very positive kind of person, but I think, you know, Bill, I've just seen God do so many great things that I always, I just have this belief, just walking with the Lord that, you know, you give God enough time and he's going to get you your miracle. It may not be the way that you think, but there, I just believe that so many of our losses and so much of our pain in life comes from being in a hurry, mm. in particular, being in a hurry to get to where I want God to get me. So, A lot of times we think of hope in terms of like, I have a sickness or whatever, but sometimes hope can also be like, I want a better job or like, I just want to do something better with my life or I want to get married. So a lot of times our hopes are about good things, you know, about like maybe life is good, but it's not not where we want it to be. And so we we oftentimes make big mistakes because we don't want to trust God. So one of the biggest lessons I've learned over the last even five, 10 years has been to stop trying to manufacture so much. I'm a little Mm -hmm. bit more of a super motivated, always want to accomplish things. And what I realized was when I tried to kind of make a lot of my dreams happen by just pure grit, a lot of times I would get it, but it wouldn't be great. It would be okay or it'd be good. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the best things that came, came simply because I was pursuing day after day, but in a sort of gentle way or even in a trusting way. And all the best stuff, at least in ministry that I've had, has come from actually going with the flow. Mm. The flow of what God's doing in your life and as you're praying and seeking him and as you're interacting with people that are in your circle of influence. And it's not like laziness, like I'm not being apathetic, I'm not just sitting on my couch, I'm doing things, but I'm not trying to manufacture or will things into being as much. I'm, there's, it's weird, I'm learning to just sort of, well, I mean, at ORU we would call it, I'm discerning, right? I'm just trying to listen to what the Spirit wants to do. And then when I trust or sense that God wants to go in a direction, I do it with all my heart. I mean, that's how I got into my current role in ministry. That's how I ended up marrying Hannah was the same way when I was like really trying to pursue her and stuff. It didn't, but when I kind of held it loosely, she fell in love with me. <laughs> yeah. There's just so many examples I can think of where almost all the successes in my life have been being hopeful, but being kind of patient and in a waiting. Mm-hmm. I think hope and patience are, are kind of hand in hand. And that's what I'm realizing is that, what was it? Victor Frankl said, you can endure any what if you have a, oh, I'm going to mess this up. If you have a, a how or a why or something. Probably a why. Yeah. So the idea that like, okay, maybe this is horrible now, but I just trust somehow God's going to get me through to where I need to go. And I'm not going to hurry. I'm not going to try and manufacture. I'm not going to try. I'm just going to, in a waiting, hopeful posture. And I just feel like miracles come from that. Yeah. You know, uh, we're in a challenging situation in our family with our niece, a little baby girl who uh, needs heart surgery and she's, Mm. you know, newborn and she's been in the NICU and most babies with her condition die. And so it's mm. very dangerous. And her mommy and daddy just at the hospital, you know, every day and caring for her, praying for her, all work. So many of us are praying for her and holding her. And, and so when I pray for them, one of the things I pray, I pray for a little grace, I pray, Lord, you are doing wonderful things for her and for her parents. And uh, we thank you for the things that we've seen, the ways that you're sustaining her and that she's been stronger than expected, and she's survived longer, and mm-hmm. uh, we're trusting you for that healing. But many of the wonderful things that God is doing, we're not seeing yet. Mm-hmm. And just to know that, that God is at work, mm-hmm. like you're talking about, he is doing good things in the 
the spiritual reality that's all around us all the time. And so we want to, what you're modeling is this, this alertness, you know, hope is an anticipation of good. Yeah, that's right. And so hope comes out of oftentimes brokenness, stress, unmet needs, hurt, but yet we anticipate that something good will come. God's a God of redemption and he will do it. And in fact, he is doing good things now that I have not yet participated in. That's absolutely right. God just needs time, I feel like. You just have to give God time and don't try and hurry God. And I think as believers, if we can just walk in that and just be hopeful that it's taking a long time because it's that good. I remember I had a pastor once who used the analogy, and I don't know if it was original to him, but that when we're being faithful, even in the little things, but we're not where we want to be, we're almost like a stone in a slingshot. And we see other people going past us, and yet we feel like we're staying in the same place or even going backwards, sort of as the stone goes further and further back in the sling. But as that stone is going back in the sling, the tension in the um, band is getting tighter and tighter. The Mm -hmm. tension between you and your destiny gets tighter. And then when God releases you, it really does feel like that. It's a a full-blown launch, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you go blazing into whatever it is God asked you to do. And in terms of like purpose and calling especially, but even, you know, when we're praying, I just often feel that like as we pray and and ask God for things that the, the tension is getting tighter and tighter in a good way. Yeah, you know, a lot of people I talk to are afraid to hope because they're afraid to disappoint. Yeah. And so that tension you're talking about, of pulling the, the sling back and the, the waiting and the, the facing difficult things mm-hmm. uh, with an open heart or dreaming great dreams that God's ins- inspiring you to do. A lot of us avoid these things because we're, we're so afraid to, to fail or to be embarrassed or because yeah. of the, the emotional letdown of, of wanting something that would be a real blessing, but then not having it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think so much of it, I mean, my grandpa said it right, just possibility thinking like anything's possible. And Jesus said that, right? All things think are Jesus possible to him who believes. And then, <laughs> that's yeah. not a Dr. Shuler originator, you're right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. I'm, I'm just validating that. possibility yes. thinking here. So, yeah, yeah, it's true. And you see, like, if you're a hopeful person, it changes the way you think. And I think that we're not hopeful when we're, you know, spinning our wheels and things like self-pity or, you know, things like that or fear, the kind of fear that you're talking about. We just actually miss out when the door is open. And that's why I think hope is so important is because it, it makes you possibility thinker where you just realize anything's possible. Literally, in the Father's world, anything could happen. One of the things we teach at our church, I say this phrase all the time, but God's timing is annoying. Mm. It's always 11th hour. Like, I just feel like God rarely is just like, you ask for it. And like, okay, here it is. You know, it, it always feels like there's a process. There's a waiting period. There's a testing time. We've been going through that just recently. The last uh, year and a half, we've shared on Soul Talks, Christy and I have, that our, you know, our ministry has been growing, and we've been trying to just keep it, Christy and I, a family ministry out of our work as therapists and spiritual directors and teachers and writers and so forth, and haven't wanted to like have an organization. You know, I look at you, Bobby, and all the pastors on your staff at your church, large church, a couple thousand people, and you've got all these volunteers and and I used to do that when I worked for your grandfather and had a staff of seven and 400 volunteers. And it's like, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not so wired to, you know, manage people and run an organization. You know, I, I'm good at talking to people and teaching and writing and things like that. 
but our ministry has grown so much, and we, we you know we want to reach more pastors and small group leaders and parents and people in, in business who are following Jesus as his uh, his servants and his representatives. And so, and I like to start new things, and so it's just gotten to be too much. So we've been working with consultants and getting feedback on our organization. Times has felt very embarrassing to me because I don't feel like I'm good at that stuff. But what do you mean the, good at what stuff? Good at the, at the organizational leadership and, oh, yeah. and growing things. But the Lord has just told me, you know, walk it out in community, you know, with me. Mm-hmm. And so I've just been trusting our friends and bringing other people into the circle, asking questions and uh, seeking feedback and so forth. And this has been over a course of a year and a half. And then we started praying, you know, Lord, maybe it's time to do something now. And, and we, we prayed about the, somebody that we were working with and just prayed, you know, Lord, if, if this person is best to make a change for us, for them, would you just say that, just speak that in prayer to that person? Well, then calls us up and says, you know, I think it's time for me to move on. That was four days later after we prayed that prayer without yeah. having any conversation. And then four days after that, somebody else calls us out of the blue. Yeah. And they're perfect to fit in that spot and to help us, you know, and leading our ministry and to take a next step. And it's like, wow, God, you did that. Yeah. But it was a exactly. year and a half of that sling, that band being so pulled good. back, tightened and tightened and tightened. And then all of a sudden, phew, yeah, exactly. here, here comes an answer out of the blue. That's right. That, that's exactly what it's like with God. You just, you have to, he's the one doing the pulling. He's the one doing the launching. And you need to be obedient, you need to respond and do things, but we can only do so much. And that story lines up with my experience totally. And the mistake I could have made if I were in your shoes was trying to push or, I hate to say it, but even manipulate that guy into taking the job because I thought he was the right fit rather than kind of holding it loosely and being patient. I could, you know, you could end up getting a bad hire. And I've done that lots of times where I've hired the wrong person because I'm in a hurry and it ends up being a mess. And I've seen how whether it's hiring or projects or anything else we're doing, or even in prayer for a miracle, it's so good to just be hopeful and be in waiting and just trust that God's going to get you there and, and enjoy the now without having your future in your lap already. Yeah. So all of our listeners, we all have challenges in our life, things that aren't the way we want them to be, whether it's you know with our family or our health or our finances or our job. And you and Hannah have been walking through a really difficult trial with your precious little boy, Cohen, and his health and his disorder with his brain and so forth. And so you, how have you kept your hope in that? Because there have been times of just deep discouragement and not getting enough sleep and, you know, one doctor appointment after another. And yet you and Hannah, you know, you journey through together and you, you put your eyes on the Lord and you get back up on the hour power each week and you're, you're on my television and you're mm-hmm. saying, you know, God loves you and so do I. And you're, you're sharing the gospel and you're doing it authentically through your life. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know the best answer for that. I think, I think it just goes back to what we said originally that you don't do it alone. Because mm. I think a part of hope is managing your thought life. I think that for almost everybody, most circumstances that we're in are the, ultimately the results of our thoughts. The thoughts are like seeds. Sleeping within every acorn is a tree, you know, and sleeping with every egg is a chicken. And that's what thoughts are like in our life. So if you don't have friends to start spinning your wheels and freaking out and worrying, I also think that before we even got to this, we did a lot of work on our own character that prepared us for this challenge mm-hmm. in a way too. The challenge itself kind of snuck up on us. You know, Cohen has, we thought it was just normal epilepsy and it was like a, a brain disorder. 
And so we are hopeful because he may end up having just a total, he's five, you know, he may end up having a totally normal life and he may end up being delayed or disabled. We, we don't know. And yet I feel like this can happen in medicine too. You try and make too many things happen mm-hmm. and you can end up harming our son. So in the same way that I'm learning that the slingshot thing with things like a job or a ministry or a project, I'm trying to do the same thing with Cohen where we, we're discerning in the way we think about how to treat him that we don't hurry into things like surgery or weird medications or things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, you're waiting on the Lord in that. Yeah, and just trusting that God, I mean, it ultimately is theological. We believe that God cares more about Cohen's brain disorder than we do, that God's more concerned about him being healed than we are, mm-hmm. that God cares more yeah. about his destiny than we do. And so if we believe that, we can trust that, although we don't always understand why this happens, and you know, certainly children can die or get cancer. You mentioned your niece. So you have to kind of leave space for that theologically, and yet trust that God does great things, and it's his plan. He's going to do something awesome for Cullen. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. So we just, again, we just have to always be walking with people like you who give us empathy and not try and bottle it up. Getting up on the hour of power is not taking our worries about Cohen and forgetting about it or pretending it's not there and then preaching, but rather living in that present reality while still doing God's work, if, if anything gives it more power. Yeah. That's the, one of the most important things I learned from you, is that you don't set things aside. You carry them with you as you go. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you have empathetic friends. You keep talking about it. You just, just talking is so important and receiving empathy is so important. I remind myself all the time that our best ministry is our response to trials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true for all of us, whether you're the ministry of soul friendship over coffee yeah. or if you're leading a mega church. You know, we, we all have people that look to us and need God's touch through us. And so, how we respond to the trials that come our way mm-hmm. uh, is the, the greatest opportunity the Lord has to That's right. speak to the people around us. One of the things I learned too is that stress is so good for you. Hmm. And the world is always saying stress is bad for you. It's not true. It can be bad for you if you handle it poorly, but whether it's stress in the gym, putting stress on your muscles, or stress emotionally in life, people that don't have much stress end up not being very mature people or very successful people. Yeah, so, no stress means depression, and yeah. in the ultimate extreme, you die, really. I mean, because <laughs> yeah. stress is life, it's, it's challenges, it's growing, yes. it's stretching. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And we need challenges as people any, anyway. I mean- and I realize that it's not like you avoid stress. It's that you learn tools to handle stress rightly, which is like don't hold on to your stress too long and then don't internalize it. Talk to your spouse about it or to someone like Bill about it. And that allows the stress to be like in the same way that stress from weights grows your muscles, stress from life grows your character. Yeah. And so uh, just wrapping up here, I want to bring out something that you're illustrating, particularly as you were telling your story with how you and Hannah are caring for Cohen and dealing with the challenges with his health is that what I'm seeing you do is you're taking your hope for his healing and his well-being, which is, was a major hope. But I believe you would say that it's going into a bigger hope, which mm, is the yeah. hope of God's goodness and that God is doing good things. And sometimes we don't understand what God is doing, but generally we know that, well, he's making and wants to make anyway, Bobby and Hannah more like Jesus, mm-hmm. and Cohen more like Jesus. And this is the best life, being a disciple of Jesus, growing intimate relationship with the Father and the Son, mm-hmm. and becoming more like him and being able to share his love with the people around us, that for all eternity, we will be enjoying and celebrating 
the work of Christ in us. And so that's our great hope. You know, that's it's Maranatha. Right. You know, come again, <laughs> come quickly, yeah. Lord Jesus. We look towards heaven. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, we have this uh, hope as an anchor for our souls, Hebrews 6.19 says. And mm-hmm. all the good things that would, we would have in life, like Paul says in Colossians, that faith and love, they spring from hope. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if we don't have this hope in God and the good things that God is doing in our lives, we really don't have anything. I mean, yeah, that's exactly right. The hope is for, in one hand, a miracle, but the faith then is that God's outcome is better than the outcome I want, whatever that is. And mm-hmm. that's where Dallas you know, talks about abandoning outcomes. Mm-hmm. So, and not only doing that with Cohen, but with my daughter and with my wife, yeah. and not trying to always manage and manufacture the outcome. But, you know, like even with Cohen, like, I just felt, this is a simple message, but I felt the Lord was like, just love him. Mm. Just love him, you know, like, he needs to get well and da-da-da, but you can only spend so much time doing that. What are you going to do with the other time with Cohen? Like, just love on the guy. Give him hugs and play, mm-hmm. play catch with him, and he'll be fine. You know? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I said we needed to wrap up. I want one more story I just feel like I need to tell. I don't know if I've told you this, Bobby, but when your grandfather, Dr. Schuler, was just, he was quite a bit older and nearing the end of his days leading the Crystal Cathedral, and um, we brought in Dallas Willard, you've mentioned Dallas a couple times in this conversation, and uh, I think all our listeners know that Dallas has been a, a longtime mentor of mine and Christie's, and so much of what we do in Soul Shepherding has come from what we learned from Dallas and his wife, Jane. So I was meeting with Dallas during these years and asked him to come help me when I was working with the, the staff of the Crystal Cathedral, trying to bring renewal to the church. And we were really working on some things and praying a lot in different ways with the leadership and there were some very rough times that came ahead that we didn't know about, you know, with the bankruptcy and changes in leadership and many different conflicts. And it happens in churches when they're, you know, needing to be remade and would have never imagined the great, wonderful good that God has brought that's come now through your leadership, you know, years later. But so in those days, we're just trying to support Dr. Schuler and figure out what God had for us coming down the road. And so we brought Dallas in to do some work with us as, as leaders. And your grandpa was. He was discouraged. He was showing that in this inner circle and had questions and some insecurity because things were really falling away fast on him mm-hmm. financially in terms of the leadership. And so Dallas had been saying some things and your grandpa you know, looked at him and, and said, well, what about me? What, what am I doing for people now? I, it just, you know, it's really not going well. And Dallas had one of those pauses that is like, he's like, well, it's very pregnant with life. And then he looked at him and said, you know, Bob Schuler, you are a pastor of hope. You give people hope, and that gives them dignity for life. And I'm so thankful that you do that. Mm-hmm. And his spirits, his face just brightened. And, you know, because as we get older, we start to get like a little kid. And it, yeah. it, to me, it felt like he was just kind of like skipping, I'm a pastor of hope. Yeah. I'm a pastor of hope. And I just thought, that is so good, the way Dallas blessed him. Yeah, yeah. You are a pastor of hope, Bobby. Hey, and I love thanks. that about you. <laughs> Well, there is no other Dr. Schuler though. He absolutely did that for people. He did that for me, too. He gave me hope all the yeah. time. Anytime I was with him, all he did was encourage me, just saw the best, always believed in me. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he was that way with everybody. He was that way with me. He put a smile mm-hmm. on my face and in my soul. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, I'd love it if you'd pray for our listeners. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Lord, we thank you that the hope of life, even in the midst of our suffering, confusion, in the midst of things like betrayal and hard things in life, we can thank you, God, that the hope that we have is real, it's logical, it's based in knowledge, 
And we thank you, God, that we can put our hope in you. I pray, Father, for everyone under the sound of my voice that they would just be filled to the brim with your Holy Spirit. And with that, they would receive the gift of hope, Mm -hmm. trusting that whatever outcome will come is going to be worth the wait. And that between now and then, you would give them life, verve, and energy, and enjoyment, that they would enjoy every moment of every day, despite the fact that they may be suffering. We thank you, God, that you love us. You never stopped loving us, and nothing can remove us from your love. You're so good to us, and we trust in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. you'll share Soul Talks with a friend, you can do that on iTunes or soulshepherding.org. And we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us through our website or on Facebook. Let us know about your experience with Soul Talks. Until next time, let's continue our conversation with Christ.